This is the Cashflow Veteran Podcast, episode number 20 with my good friend, Jasmine Paul. Uh, there's going to be no ad space on this one because I wanted to get it out as fast as I possibly could because she has a, an important vote coming up for the Inspired You Fest uh, Summit that they're having, their online 2020 summit. And the best thing that you can do right now is actually go vote for that. You can reach her at Instagram, at Jasmine Like Paul. Uh, she has the Find Sustain podcast. She has Create Fin Stew, which is her company. She also even released a book uh, earlier this year called Set Your Truth Free. Um, and while you can go grab all that, and I'm going to put all that stuff in the show notes, the one place that you can go vote for her in this because she has until uh, Tuesday evening to actually get this done. So uh, I created a quick link at, called Cutly slash vote jasmine so it's going to be c-u-t-t dot l-y slash vote jasmine c-u-t-t dot l-y slash vote jasmine go there now get your uh, vote put in it's going to be under the 2020 pitch contest voting it's actually to help her get the book that we talked about the children's book for financial literacy and get it out in her first a thousand copies uh, as part of this contest to be able to have that stuff covered and, and getting it i know i'm going to be picking up my first copy no matter what happens uh for for what she has going on to make sure i can teach my kids the best possible financial literacy and we get into that in the episode uh so again you can reach her to all those other places they'll be in the show notes but again i want you to go vote for jasmine um you're allowed to vote one time per day um, and they're basically getting to the top three contestants to actually go pitch and, and, and to get this uh, moving forward. I really, really hope and I'm really pushing for her to be able to get in that top three and obviously that number one spot as well. So if you're hearing this, go ahead and go to Cutly slash Vote Jasmine, C-U-T-T dot L-Y slash Vote Jasmine. Welcome to Cashflow Veteran. This is John, your host. This is for military members, veterans, spouses, and anybody else affiliated with the military. This show is where fighting for your financial freedom is just as important as your political freedom. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cashflow Veteran Podcast. This is your host, John. I have one of uh, my favorite people. Um, her name is Jasmine Paul. I got a chance to work with her and I was uh, as a quote unquote supervisor, I guess, of hers at one point in time. But I honestly love coming into work. So I always love seeing her smiling face, uh, always bright in my day. So it always made made working uh, in the Air Force always a little bit better. So anyway, saying that, thanks so much for coming on, Jasmine. I appreciate it. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's you know get into this. So, you know, what's your military history background like? And then how did that or where did that, I guess, lead to your journey in entrepreneurship and then uh, more specifically kind of the current endeavor? Because I do want to kind of plug that at the beginning here, but I also kind of want to make sure we plug it at the end too. Yeah. So um, I guess my military journey started for my parents, um, military brat, Air Force brat, and um, never really wanted to go in the military at all, at all. Like I was not that girl. But um I went to college my freshman year. I had a few scholarships and I remember getting a call from my mom saying, Hey, you need to come back home because I'm not signing another loan for you. Um, and so I was like, Ugh. all right. So I have to figure out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to get this money. And so I joined ROTC. I was one of like one of two scholarships for crosstown um, students. And so I got a scholarship, um, was able to pay the rest of my school and uh, that's kind of how I jumped into, I guess, the military. So it was definitely just for the degree. 
And um, how I jumped into entrepreneurship was I actually started my first company while I was in college. I was a videographer. I was in school for film. And so I remember just taking videos and and just really loving being passionate about photography and videography. And uh, people were paying me money for it. And I was like, oh, cool. Why not? So I kept doing it. I was doing weddings. Um, I ended up uh, doing a concert for a Rock Nation artist. And that was really cool. Um, got to be on the tour bus and, and do all those fun things. Uh, went to New York and was working with Ladies of Hip Hop Festival, which was a nonprofit organization that does dance and art throughout the city, um, working with Beyonce's choreographers, Janet Jackson's choreographers. And it was just totally cool experience. And um, I got burnt out in 2012, my senior year. I was overtasked, uh, like just so much work going on. I didn't have a lot of help and I wasn't charging people the right amount for my work. Like ha- like people that charge right now, I my mind is blown because I'm like, I didn't charge that at all as a 19 year old. And um, my goal after college was to get a master's degree in entrepreneurship because I wanted to understand the business. I, I felt like I had the drive and the passion and the artistic creativity, but I didn't understand the number side. And so that's what landed me a master's in entrepreneurship, which is what we did together at Oklahoma State, and right. kind of went into this uh, cycle of entrepreneurship. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of really kind of dived in even on the military side of it, where you got involved in a lot of the, I'll say, extracurricular stuff that was going on too, and really diving into that and taking, you know, uh, charge and leadership roles and a lot of that stuff and really just applying yourself in that regard too. So certainly like being able to run things like that, I think certainly gave you uh, a huge leg up into anything that you would end up doing. So I think you certainly have uh, shown yourself in that one. So what about the current endeavor you have going on? I really want to dig, dig into that real quick. Right now I'm working on my first uh, children's book out of a financial literacy series because I saw a gap in the market where um, people are teaching financial literacy. You know, you're teaching saving, spending, giving, um, and earning. And those are principles that we all have learned in some point of our lives. But what I am teaching is money engagement. So engagement with conversations between parents and engagement with conversations between adults. And so that's what I found that people articulate themselves in um, understanding money. So they get saving, they get budgeting, they get that, but they just aren't able to articulate themselves. And so with this book, I'm hoping that they will be encouraged to number one, to find what their success looks like, but also be able to earn and then pay for the dreams that they want in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, create fin stew, it really sounds like, you know, it's just a way to really kind of foster like you said, the ability to have those conversations. And I guess one of my quick questions would be, you know, it's, um, it might seem kind of daunting because I, I, I think a lot of people feel they need a whole lot of knowledge before they can like even talk to somebody else or they even talk to their children about it. But yeah. it's also kind of like they're not acknowledging that they have to start wherever they're at. And even with their kids, they have to start wherever they're at. Absolutely. Um, one thing that came as you were talking was uh, when I jumped into real estate, uh, back when we were stationed together. And I honestly had no idea about what I was doing. I just knew that it was cheaper to have a mortgage than it was to rent. Like that's all I really knew. I had like this um, dummies, like buying a house for dummies book that I only read like three chapters of. 
And then I just jumped in. Like, I really did. I was 23 years old. I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was learning as I was going and I was having conversations with people like you, people like Dave Sholowitz, um, to understand what I was actually doing. And so when it comes to money, we do know, we, we do have some type of knowledge because we're earning a paycheck wherever, whatever industry we get that concept of earning. The problem is we're not able to translate that to goals that we desire. So maybe we want to take that trip to Fiji or maybe we want to have a general generational wealth through real estate. Um, sometimes we're not able to articulate and, and kind of streamline what that, what step one looks like and then what step five or 10 looks like. And so you're right, just starting somewhere, but we get the concept of earning. So now we just have to transition um, into talking about, okay, where do we save? What investment vehicle do we use? Um, what return on investment looks good for our family? Because real estate might not be the strategy that you might want to take. It might be um, royalties. It might be business income. There, there are other ways to gain money or earn money. And so we just have to figure out what works best for each family. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I, you know, we may disagree politically on a few things for sure. But like um, libertarianism for me has been one of the most eye-opening kind of philosophies that I've had. And, and I've always kind of wondered, you know, how do you take some of these more complex ideas? You know, what's the, the concept of what's seen versus what's unseen? So it's the law of the excluded alternatives, because when you choose one policy, that means you're giving up a lot of other policies um, to be able to do that stuff. And it's just kind of like in, with a lot of the other principles that kind of come along with that, I was trying to, how, how do I actually talk to my kids about some of these? And that's where I discovered the Tuttle Twin series. Um, and they, you know, they have a huge number of children's books, but it, what's interesting to me, um, and I'll caveat this with talking about my girls' school. So one of the things that we uh, learned about early on with Donovan was about the Montessori school system and how Maria Montessori, who was a child psychologist, actually de developed her curriculum to really match the tactile and uh, basically getting down to the learning level of whatever it was. So six weeks old, it was where some of them even start. And it's really, I mean, yeah, it might be quote unquote a daycare, but the way that they go about doing it makes a lot of sense. And where we saw Donovan and Sloan are, you know, are really excel so far. And obviously Eliana's not really old enough to really get to this point yet. But um, one of the things as you learn something, you're always taught by one person. And the thing is, is it could be by the teacher or it could be by another student who's currently mastered it. And then mm -hmm. you learn it and then you try to master it and you get better at it. You're kind of graded on it. And then at some point, even before technically you've mastered it, you're allowed to teach some of that stuff to other people. And that's what I think that if people are starting where they're at with what they know, as they start learning, if they can then synthesize that to be able to teach it, Absolutely. I think it really drives the subconscious mind to be able to bring those principles to light. It makes you understand it in a whole nother way of being able to teach that. And that's what I found with, you know, ICBM training. So I love doing the training and it made me a better missileer and it made me a better officer by being able to turn that around and actually focus on teaching somebody and passing on that knowledge for sure. And people are able to, sh they're able to highlight your gaps too. Yep. Like you're able to see where you might not be able to see, um, or they may be able to question things that maybe you didn't explain well. And so, I think that's important. Like we don't all, we don't have to be millionaires to understand the value of a dollar, to understand what our priorities are in order to become a millionaire. I think 
sometimes, especially in, in entrepreneurship, we're always looking toward the gurus and which is great, right? They're, they're there for a reason. Um, but we also have value and we also bring something to the table. And, and I think we definitely with, especially with create and stew, we highlight that creativity. So not every coaching model looks the same for each family. Um, because what you're great at, the, what the pains are great at might not be what's uh, great or best for the Pauls or, or great for the Smiths. Um, but we try to include uh, what you're good at, good at and then highlight those strengths um, in uh, developing strategies for wealth building. Yeah. And I think this conversation we're having, I mean, it's, yeah, I've been doing this month series on you know, investing or what is the ideal investment. And you know, it kind of started out really kind of dealing with 401ks and the stock market. Um, and de- dealing with those types of things, but even my conversations with some of the other guests that I've had, even from where I'm coming from, I, you know, I highlight maybe some of the downsides, some of it, and, and try to expand people's understanding about some of it. But at the end of the day, I think it, I, I've had this conversation just come, or at least the topic come back up and up again that, hey, it really matters where you're at and acknowledging that education is the first investment and probably one of the best investments for return on the time that you're going to spend or the money that you're going to spend getting that education as well. Absolutely. Um, I would say education to the point where you take action. Right. Because sometimes like there's like this paralysis analysis or analysis paralysis. You have so much information and then you don't move and you don't execute. And it's great that you have all the information, but you have to move and you have to execute. And, in moving and executing, you make mistakes. Like I know with my first property, I made like I did I did not know what I was doing. I was so confused. I was like literally had no clue about owning a home or being a landlord. None. But I learned as I went. So then when I bought my second property, it was like clockwork. Like all the mistakes I made the first time, I didn't make the second time. And then I made mistakes in the second investment. And so now I'm like, okay, with the third, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that again or didn't like how that outcome was. I'm going to try something new. And so you, you definitely have to learn. And I think if we break it down, let's not even talk about investments. Let's talk about relationships. Like we do every single day in our relationships. Your wife or your spouse does something you don't like, you communicate that. And then hopefully they learn and they respect and honor what you say. They do something different that has a better outcome. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I certainly fell prey to um, the analysis by or paralysis by analysis, but I also uh, eventually I'll probably do an ebook on it one day. Just the confessions of a seminar junkie or whatever. Too. It's always like, what's that? What's that one thing that that's going to set me across the top? And I, you know, certainly just kind of fell for some of the get rich stuff when you know, kind of early on with that too, and just being like, oh, this is a great idea, and that's. You know, Dave and I talked about it on our podcast. We were bringing up bigger pockets. It's like there's so much good information on there. Just like, ooh, I want to do this type of investing. Oh, I want to do that type of investing. And then it's just, it can get really, really overwhelming very, very quickly. And at the end of the day, it's just going, you probably should just assess where you're at, where your gaps are at, and ask yourself the question, where do you want to go? And there's a lot of, lots of different paths that are going to get there too. So, I mean, you know, you just have to kind of make a decision, one decision, and understand it's going to take you some time to, um, you know, really kind of get it off the ground. But then after you start for a while, maybe you can then start asking people who've been where you are say, Hey, at what point should I pivot? At what point should I persevere through this? I mean, and that's where I think coming into those relationships, not just 
the relationships with the people that are closest to you that it's going to impact the most, but certainly any of the business relationships or mentor relationships that you developed along the way too is, is certainly really, really important. Absolutely. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit because I want to ask a little bit more about this book that you have coming up and, and more specifically about just what are, what are some of the good money habits that uh, adults can have? And then we'll get into what, what you think, why you think, and then what you think is most important to teach the kids as well. So let's start with just good money habits for the adults in the room. Yeah. So what you on about um, assessing where you're at. So I, even this morning, I got like several messages um, from people asking me, okay, there are some IPOs coming out. So, you know, Airbnb, Asana, um, they, these are like these really great uh, niche marketed companies that are coming out, right? They're um, going to be open to the public for shares. And so um, they're asking me like, okay, which one should I do? Which one should I do? And I'm like, okay, first off, I don't give investment advice. Like that's not me. Um, you have to assess where you're at. So what is important, right? So um, what are your goals? How do you define success? Because that might not be, success might not look like investing in the stock market at, at this point. It might be paying off the, the crazy debt that you have, or it might be creating this nest uh, egg because like looking at our economy right now, uh, we, just, we might want to save <laughs> as much yeah. as we um, so we have to figure out, assess where you are and how you assess that. So I always look at, um, my last three months of expenses, uh, because of COVID we're able to analyze what's really going on. So people are in the house, they're not going out as much, they're not eating out, but, uh, other expensive, ha other expenses have, um, increased. So things like electric have increased your food bill. I know for me, my food bill has increased because I'm eating all the time at home. Like I'm eating way more than I used to. And so I have to assess where I'm at financially to figure out, okay, what can I eliminate? Because I'm always trying to reduce my expenses. Mm -hmm. I want my cash flow to be more than my expenses. So I'm always trying to reduce it. And I'm trying to figure out how can I position myself to my goals. So my goal um, for 2021 is to sell at least a thousand books of my first children's that is my goal for 2021. And so how I do that, I have to figure out, okay, how much does it cost to illustrate a self-published book? What are the different things that I need? So there are other sub goals in that. So I have to have an audience. I have to make sure that there's publicity and marketing. I have to make sure I have a good story and, and there are other costs associated to that. So I think just assessing where you are, doing that analysis of the three la the last three months to see where your expenses are and to see, okay, if my goal is to be X, how do I get there? And then mapping it out, um, taking it step by step, like you and I know, having a checklist, like yeah. having <laughs> one step, two, step three yeah. and being able to get that, that's something like I have a planner that I use, the Christian planner. Um, and I literally have like, I don't know if you can see, but my top three items yeah. that I have to do every single day. Those top three items are going towards the bigger goal. Nice. Yeah. I have something very, very similar to making sure that each, you know, when you're, when you're really trying to take down that elephant and eat the whole thing, you really just got to take it one bite at a time, know where to start and really just you know, get after it. And, you know, there's a, a bunch of different books kind of about the topic, but at the end of the day, I mean, 
you got to break down that overall goal. And then you have to assign a time, you have to assign a date, you have to be very specific about what needs to happen, what needs to occur, and then being able to reflect back on, hey, did that was that successful? How well did I do? Okay, if I didn't do it, why, why wasn't it so successful? Why couldn't I do it? And then how can I come back from that? It's really, I think those are some of the Sometimes it's not even so much about that thing getting done as much as it is about you learning the lessons of improving yourself, dealing with failure, dealing with you know those things going through. And like those habits are really going to what make you successful in the long run, no matter right. where you're at, no matter what you're doing. Absolutely. Those habits are what is... That's financial wellness, right? It's, it's having good habits. It's making sure you're taking that 10% or 20% or whatever percent of your income to your savings or to an investment. Like those habits that you create over time is how you generate wealth. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Nordstrom right now and rack up a thousand dollar bill every single month. I'm gonna show it's gonna show in my my finances that that's a, a habit that is maybe not a good habit because now I'm spending, you know, thousands of dollars every year on clothes or shoes. But we can then we could take that habit of spending, we could take that habit and transform it into saving. And so now I'm saving or investing thousands of dollars. And I, right. I just put that on autopilot and let that do its thing over the course of, you know, five, 10 years. Yeah, certainly my hope with cash flow veteran is being able, like you were saying, being able to assess where people are at currently and then offering them at least a different perspective on where I think they should start based on the research I've done based on my conversations with people like you and others where you know I I really do think that it you know it may not be that they go into business for themselves but certainly like you either have you only have a couple of different options you you have to decrease your expenses you're always working on doing that just like you were saying and if you other than that you have to increase your pie like you have to find a way to bring in more increase and when you're looking at uh, I think I've had Nick Edwards kind of talking about this. When you're looking at some of those investment vehicles, you're talking about stuff that's really far in the future. And certainly, like the only time I would say, like immediately, you should be taking advantage of investing is if they're matching whatever it is, and just do the match because that's 100% return on whatever you're going to get. It just that's a no brainer. That makes sense. Um, but other than that, I mean, it could just be a second job. It could be um, maybe maybe you start doing something locally if you're more of a crafty type of person. You you just do something on Saturdays, one that brings you joy. And two, that does put a little bit of money in your pocket as well in doing something from that perspective. Or it could be going your your route or my route and actually you know, starting a podcast or writing a book or whatever that case is and actually starting a business to really increase that that overall pie as well. Because that's those are the things that are really going to have the, I would say, shorter and longer term returns uh, right. on, on your effort. So right. uh, well, let's, let's get into... Uh, tell us about your first book. Uh, for for kids and stuff too, I certainly want to you know don't give any spoilers away or anything like that if you don't want to. But cer- certainly, as much as you want, as much details you want to give, let's just. I, I, I'm really interested. I, I'm certainly going to be buying it for my kids. So <laughs> I'm excited. So so I actually wrote my first book. So I published that like right as Corona hit. Um, and but it was a it was a blessing to push it out there because it, it gave me the courage and experience that I needed. Again, going back to those failures and those lessons learned. I wrote it because I wanted uh, a guide to put out there for young people to understand about their finances, about faith, mentors, role models, things that I learned along the way and kind of stumbled along the way. Um, but 
putting that first book out helped me write the second book, which me going back to those lessons learned, those failures. Um, now that I know better and I've done a lot more research, I'm able to create the second book, which is a financial literacy series to empower children to be more financially capable. Um, so it, it has a really awesome lesson. Um, the characters, main characters are Joey and Melody, and they're just trying to figure out how they can get to their dreams. And so what Joey, the main character, is noticing is that his spending is costing him his dreams. And so what we are, the lesson that's going to evolve, I won't give any spoilers, but the lesson that should be evolving is just how does he figure out how can he afford his dreams um, without spending so much money? Yeah. So what's that, what's that title? Um, so it's a boy, a budget, and a dream. A boy, a budget, and a dream. That's good. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Everybody is teaching financial literacy, which is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. So the financial services in billion dollar industry. However, they only spend $682 million on financial education. That means for every $25 that's spent, um, you're only getting $1 of uh, education and marketing. And so I find that very interesting because it's easier for me to, I guess for the financial service industry, it's easier for them to sell a mortgage or a car note or you know some type of line of credit than it is to educate its consumers on um, how to manage their money. Uh, so it's, it's definitely an interesting market. Um, there are a lot of books out there. Um, I'll even highlight them. A, a lot of books like Money Ninja, uh, The Missing Money, The Missing Money Monsters. Um, they're all sharing this message of financial education. And I would encourage you and your listeners to buy those books because to me, we all need to be able to learn about this. And, and every book that gets into the hands of a child is important. So I support all of those books that are out there um, and the authors that push these, these books out there because if, if there's, a, there's a survey that states that only 33% of parents are actually talking to their kids about money, so that means 67% aren't. So the more books out there, to me, the more opportunity for a child to get the education that they need to be more financially stable when they become an adult. Yeah. I, I just had a thought in my brain and I, uh, I, I really might have you back on to kind of talk about it. It's one of the, one of the monthly topics that I'm going to try to have. And it's about basically kind of doing, doing a business or, or doing entrepreneurship, starting a business as a family um, and, and doing something from that perspective and using it as a way to, because as you're talking, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you've thought about doing kind of a supplemental course for adults and for children, as you kind of go along with that, with the curriculum and stuff like that too. Yes, that's something that building um, a couple few programs um, that will supplement the book. But also, I was thinking, you know, there there are certain things that we do for a year. For me personally, like I go to mental health counseling. Um, I have a therapist because I believe in therapy and the power. Uh, I don't just use my therapist when times are bad. I also have a therapist when times are good because I always want to make sure that I'm the best version of Jasmine that I can be. So why don't we do that with financial literacy? Sometimes in our entire lifetime, we only take a financial literacy course maybe once or twice in our entire lifetime. 
And so what this program will do will encourage year long uh, financial literacy and economic education. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you know, just being able to go to therapy or going to the right person to talk to um, about that, I think makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. I mean, I was doing I was originally getting my master's before I switched over to entrepreneurship in mental health counseling. And that was always one of the things I came back to was, you know, it, you know, when you get to your bad times, it's typically because of a lot of incremental decisions that you've made over time and which are part of your behavior, part of your habit, part of your subconscious. And so you really have to kind of take, you know, it's almost like getting an oil change or whatever else. I mean, you're just hitting those things periodically to make sure you're in going in the right direction. It's just as important for your relationships and stuff like that too, to get done. I mean, I would even say that maybe, you know, if you're a business partner with somebody, maybe the two of you occasionally should go in there and and work on the relationship piece of the business partnership rather than waiting for something else, just to make sure everyone's on the same page and you're moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something that um, I think a lot of people, they wait till something bad happens or they wait till they get into this crazy amount of debt. And then they're looking out they're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do next? Instead of just having that routine, that check-in, um, hey, am I on the right path? Or, you know, here's something new that came out. Here's maybe you should consider. That's something that's important. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've covered some pretty good topics about, you know, good money habits for, for adults and then teaching the kids and stuff. So I do want to get into um, just the burst fire question. So you can answer these as, as quickly. And, and from what I've seen, they're as long as possible because I've literally spent a whole nother 10 minutes just in one of these quick questions, trying to go a little bit of the bigger pocket style for like the fire round, you know, but that tends to not, not happen typically. Uh, there's always something else that pops into my brain. I, I want to ask something else too. Anyway, all right. So what's the toughest thing about being an entrepreneur that you found? Ooh, time. Oh. <clears throat> Managing time. I want to devote so much time, but I also have a full-time job um, and I'm also in school to get my doctorate. So just mapping out time for um, the business. Sometimes I can like, I feel like contribute a too much time and uh, where I don't get sleep. <laughs> so I just have to like manage the time, have a cutoff where it's like, okay, you're, you're not being productive. You just need to stop. But I think with your, with your planner, with my planner, the fact that you actually have like, what, what's the one thing you can do today? I think yeah. you can at least take solace. I mean, because you will have to say no. And I think people, that's one skill people have to learn is, hey, you have to get comfortable with saying no to other good opportunities that present themselves because you don't want to give, give up the great for, for the good things that might come, right? Um, and, and so having something that you can track and check off and saying, yeah, I did get this done today. It, it just shows you, Hey, you are moving towards something. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, what resource has actually helped you most, um, in your entrepreneurship journey? Oh, there's so many. I'll go to books and then people. So books, I would say, uh, the defining decade by Dr. Med Meg J. Um, that was really good. Just defining your twenties and just understanding. So it's not like a business book at all. It's more mental health, but it, it's talking about how you really should be like living out your twenties, like doing your twenties, how you should be doing your twenties. Right. Um, so that was a really good book for me. Um, my doctor, I think maybe we had him in a class. He had like the first 100 days of entrepreneurship. Yep. Uh, yep. Dr. Berenger, Bruce Berenger. 
<laughs> book was really good. The first 100 days. Um, I still reference that book to this day. <laughs> and then um, uh, people have been vital. So talking to people from Oklahoma State University, talking to our professors, I talked to Dr. Berenger all the time. Um, back when I was completing my first book, I actually was able to use my first book, Set Your Truth Free, as my dissertation, like our thesis that we had to do at the end, our project. Um, and so just talking to him about um, different opportunities, how I can leverage you know, my, my experiences in the military into entrepreneurship, um, just having those conversations with people who have been there or been at a place where you want to be, that's been that's been super helpful. I feel like that's been the most powerful. I can learn a lot through TED Talks and, and books, but the people, that relationship, it, it's huge. Yeah, for sure. I, I know one of the things for me, I, you know, I could have gotten, went down the uh, master's in business administration route. And I, I know that choosing to go the entrepreneurship route for my degree rather than the MBA was going to hold me back as far as some traditional ways of going. And, and it's, I've seen it where it has kind of held me back from being able to get, you know, a certain job or to have certain qualification or whatever too. But at the same time, like I, I will never give up the experiences of being able to learn from people. And that's what I loved about the entrepreneurship side of uh, the curriculum was every single instructor, teacher, uh, the other students, everything else, they had actual real life experience. They're not teaching you from theory. They're teaching you from their actual experiences and come in developing a curriculum based on those experiences. And I, I just, I, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, last question here. So what do you think holds military members, spouses, dependents, and veterans back from getting started with whatever their endeavor is going to be? I think complacency. Yeah. I think um, it's a good life. Like the military is great. You have benefits, you have your BAH, BAS, you have your salary. Um, you know, you make a pretty decent, if you're an officer, you make pretty decent money. Um, and so I think complacency, you get comfortable in that situation. And for me, like, I don't ever want to be comfortable. Like, I don't, I don't want to be comfortable to the point where I can't leave a job or I can't move on to something else. So that's why for me, I'm building different streams of income. So one day I can walk away and I'm not so concerned about where my next paycheck is coming from. Yeah. Right on. Uh, so where can people find out more about you and your business? And then also what, uh, uh, where can they go to actually vote for your your stuff coming up too? Yes. All right. So www.createfinstew.com. That's where you can find me. Um, I'm on social media heavy on Instagram. Um, and that's at Jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N-E, like L-I-K-E, Paul, P-A-U-L. And then you can vote at the Inspire You Fest Summit. Um, online. So voting ends this Tuesday. So I don't know when this is going to be going uh, Yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get it out like immediately. So. Okay. But yeah, Inspire You Fest. Um, and then I can send you the link as well. So all yeah, votes sure. are helpful. Um, five, and then votes from audience participation will help me to uh, reach the top three. And then I'll be pitching, um, to help hopefully earn the funding for my first print run of my 1,000 books. 
Yeah, right on. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'll link to all that stuff. Uh, Create Fin Stew is where you can find everything about Jasmine and what she's got going on as well, where I will be getting my first children's book from her, for sure. So I... <laughs> Uh, Jasmine, I, I seriously, I know it's, it's really short notice, but I really appreciate you coming on. It, it is a delight to see your bright and shining, smiling face again. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, John. This has been awesome. You're doing an amazing job. I was listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, and I was like, he needs to get a deal with Spotify. Like, his voice is it. Like, you are doing it. You're doing um, something that veterans need, and... Uh, I believe that it's it's a gap that needs to be filled. So I'm very thankful that you've opened your community up to me. Thank you for the support. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, take, take care, Jasmine. I, I look forward to being able to do some stuff with you in the future for sure. Absolutely, John. All right. This is the Cashflow Veteran Podcast episode number 20 with my good friend, Jasmine Paul. Uh, there's going to be no ad space on this one because I wanted to get it out as fast as I possibly could because she has a, an important vote coming up for the Inspired You Fest uh, Summit that they're having, their online 2020 summit. And the best thing that you can do right now is actually go vote for that. You can reach her at Instagram, at Jasmine Like Paul. Uh, she has the Find Sustain podcast. She has Create Fin Stew, which is her company. She also even released a book uh, earlier this year called Set Your Truth Free. Um, and while you can go grab all that, and I'm going to put all that stuff in the show notes, the one place that you can go vote for her in this because she has until uh, Tuesday evening to actually get this done. So uh, I created a quick link at, called Cutly slash Vote Jasmine. So it's going to be C-U-T-T dot L-Y slash Vote Jasmine. C-U-T-T dot L-Y slash Vote Jasmine. Go there now. Get your uh, vote put in. It's going to be under the 2020 pitch contest voting. It's actually to help her get the book that we talked about, the children's book for financial literacy and get it out in her first 1,000 copies uh, as part of this contest to be able to have that stuff covered and, and getting it. I know I'm going to be picking up my first copy no matter what happens uh, for, for what she has going on to make sure I can teach my kids the best possible financial literacy. And we get into that in the episode. Uh, so again, you can reach her to all those other places. They'll be in the show notes. But again, I want you to go vote for Jasmine. Um, you're allowed to vote one time per day. Um, and they're basically getting to the top three contestants to actually go pitch and, and, and to get this uh, moving forward. I really, really hope and I'm really pushing for her to be able to get in that top three and obviously that number one spot as well. So if you're hearing this, go ahead and go to Cutly slash Vote Jasmine, C-U-T-T dot L-Y slash Vote Jasmine. That's the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I really would appreciate your support through any of the advertising, the affiliate links I share, or you can go to cashflowveteran.com slash support and click on the $5 tip jar uh, and send a cup of coffee my way. Also, I'd love to hear from you. And you can easily do that by downloading the anchor.fm app and leave me a voice message with a comment or a question or a topic that you'd like me to cover. And I'll see what I can do. With that, Take it easy.